You're a busy provider trying to stay current with the latest HIV testing, prevention, and treatment guidelines, and your pockets are overflowing with note cards. You need a convenient, trustworthy source for HIV testing, treatment, prevention, and care protocols. All healthcare professionals have a role in stopping HIV. Introducing HIV Care Tools from the AIDS Education and Training Center program. The HIV Care Tools mobile app is simple, free, and fully functional offline or online. It features quick guides for HIV prevention, screening, testing, diagnosis, and treatment. HIV Care Tools provides common clinical calculators used in HIV management and provide validated screening tools for comorbidities such as depression, substance use disorders, and PTSD. And if you need clinician-to-clinician consultation, HIV Care Tools provides one-touch access to free clinical consultation services by a multidisciplinary team of experts. Take us with you. Download HIV Care Tools today. Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Breitman. Today, I'm sitting down with John Farragon to talk about the Reprieve study. Welcome again, John. Yeah, thanks, Mariana, for having me again. This is, I think, an important uh, an important study that just was recently closed out. So I think it's important for us to talk about it. So, John, first and foremost, tell listeners what the Reprieve study is. So this is an old study. Um, uh, Mariana, that started a long time ago. Um, I think it was 2015, actually, when they started it. But just a quick background on this. I, if if any of you have been doing this for long enough, you remember that this large study was designed really kind of to test the role of statin therapy for people who are living with HIV, um, who are really low to moderate at moderate risk for cardiovascular disease. So these patients would actually be uh, people who probably wouldn't meet you know criteria for statins. And what they wanted to do is to look and see if this, this one drug called pitavastatin. Now, just really quick, pitavastatin, not a lot of drug interactions. It's got very good potency. It's, it's probably just as potent as some of our other high-intensity statins. And they really wanted to see if treatment with pitavastatin compared to placebo would reduce the incidence of heart attacks, strokes, and other major cardiovascular events in, in persons living with HIV. So, so there, there's certainly there's certain evidence that I think we know that people with HIV are, are at greater risk of cardiovascular disease. And why that is, I think, is, is unknown, but there are theories, right? And I shouldn't say it's unknown, but there's certainly reasons why. One of them, I think, is chronic inflammation. Um, some of them can be HIV medication adverse events. That might be some drugs might cause hyperlipidemia, for example, or cardiovascular events. And then certainly higher rates of smoking and other lifestyle factors could contribute to this as well. You know, we know there's a higher risk of, uh, of smoking in our population and also probably renal disease, et cetera. So, so while we're aware of that, that in persons without HIV infection, statins are effective, I think the benefits for people with HIV were really unknown prior to the study being done um, in, our, in our patient population. So really a key, key important study for us to kind of look at this reprieve study. Can you tell us about the reprieve study in more detail as far as who was included? Uh, sure. So I can do that for you. This is actually important. And, and I, I took this right off the clinicaltrials.gov site. And, and I think for those of you who don't know, anytime a, a study is ongoing, the clinicaltrials.gov site is a great place to go to kind of get the skinny on, on who was included and who wasn't. But bottom line, if patients had to be HIV infected, that was the most important piece. And then, so they had to be a person living with HIV. So that's really the important way to say that, right? Um, they had to be on combination antiretroviral therapy for at least 180 days prior to study entry. T-cells greater than 100, 
And then they had have acceptable screening laboratories. And that included a bunch of things, but a lot of it had to do with your LDL. There were LDL numbers that they had to meet. They also had to have a uh, one of those, uh, those that ASCVD risk score, risk score had to be in a certain range. Uh, and then um, they, they also had to have um, fasting triglycerides that were less than 500. They had to have a good hemoglobin. Uh, GFR had to be over 60. <clears throat> so a credit clearance over, over 60 mils as a measure of renal function. And then their AST and ALT, this particular ALT actually had to be um, equal to or, or, two, or lower than um, uh, 2.5 the upper the times the upper limit uh, level of normal. So these are kind of just some of the some of the inclusion criteria that they had uh, for, for people. Um, if you if you did have chronic active hepatitis B or C, um, you could not have had fibrosis. So that Fib score, the calculated fibrosis score, the Fib four score had to be less than or equal to 3.25, and then you actually have had to be able to provide consent and be be able to provide uh, written informed consent and be part of part of the study. So those are some of the major inclusion criteria. Some of the exclusion thing: who did they exclude from the study? Not all inclusive, but I think a sampling of who was excluded. Certainly, anybody who had an acute MI in the past, um, anybody anybody who had acute coronary syndrome, stable or unstable angina, um, strokes, TIAs, peripheral vascular disease. All these patients were actually excluded, and there's more of them that are actually listed on the uh, on the website for on clinicaltrials.gov. But um, if you did have uh, concurrent diabetes mellitus, if your LDL was over 70, you, you couldn't be in the study. Uh, Ten-year um, uh, risk uh, greater than 15. Uh, active cancer within the previous 12 months prior to study, and then if you're on any statin drugs, gemfibrozel, or even this, these PSK9 inhibitors. In the last 90 days prior to study entry, you could not be part of the study. And if you're using any in, in investigation or drug that would be contraindicated, or if you had pregnancy or, or breastfeeding. So, so, so Marianne, in, in summary, basically, these are people who are basically without cardiovascular disease, decent renal functions, not uh, having cirrhosis, unlikely to probably have side effects from statins, and also persons living with HIV infection who are on therapy and have T cells that are greater than 100 were pretty much included in um, in these in this study to see if pitavastatin versus placebo would make a difference from a cardiovascular standpoint um, in, in this population. Can you break down how this study was conducted exactly? Yeah, so so how this was done is that, you know, this reprieve study, right, um, started in 2015. Uh, just a couple of things. This is actually the largest HIV trial to date, um, and this was co-sponsored by the NIH and the ACTG, uh, conducted in 12 countries in North America, South America, Europe, Africa, and Asia. And then they enrolled just under 7,800 persons living with HIV. They were 40 to 75 years of age on stable ARV therapy, again, with CD4 counts over 100. They did actually include women. Now, only about a third of the patients were women, but still there were women in the study, which was helpful. And then patients, again, had no prior history of cardiovascular disease and, 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 uh, and based on labs and comorbidities that would put them, really put them at low to moderate risk for, for, for cardiovascular disease. So again, these are low risk patients, right? And this, this population, um, Mariana, would normally not qualify for statin therapy. So if we looked at these people in the guidelines, we would not start them on statins. But the question is, you know, because we know HIV, um, uh, persons with HIV have a higher risk of, of cardiovascular disease, we wanted to make sure that the statins actually would 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 make a difference in uh, in 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 their CVD risk. Um, and again, if you look at our, our persons with HIV, they're likely more likely to develop cardiovascular disease at a younger age. They have 
traditional risk scores that are used uh, that are used for patients that are not with HIV are likely underestimating this card- cardiovascular risk. So again, a real reason to put patients on on into this study. And so they were randomized either to take the statin, pitavastatin, or placebo once a day. And then they basically were monitored for over time for major cardiovascular disease. And those included MIs, strokes, uh, unstable angina, peripheral artery disease, if you had um, re- any revascularization procedures. So this includes patients who have an MI and may have a stent placed, or they may have a bi- bypass surgery, or any CVD-related death. So they followed people for all these events and looked at them, placebo versus pitavastatin, to see if there was a difference. <clears throat> they also monitored people for statin side effects and also drug interactions. And, and since uh, patavastatin really can be used with all the antiretroviral regimens that are used today, uh, interactions with the antiretrovirals were, were really not an issue. So that's kind of the gist of the study. But again, large numbers, right? 7,800 people, 40 to 75 years old, really no prior cardiovascular disease. Uh, and then they put them on st- either statin or else, or else uh, placebo. And the statin that they use here is patavastatin. So now that we've gone through what the study was, who was involved and how it took place, I think listeners want to know what the results were and how this stop came about. Yeah, so so this is the probably the most important piece. And, and the, the DSMB, which is the Data Safety Monitoring Board, these, uh, these boards are, you know, scientists studies and they review the results as the study goes on to make sure that there's, there's nothing from a safety standpoint going on and also to look to see if they should stop the study. Um, meaning that like if your if your placebo group isn't getting any benefit, but the but the treatment group is, they they might want to unblind the study and say, you know, everybody should be offered statin therapy because it's because it works so well. And that's pretty much exactly what they did. So at a recent meeting, the DSMB recommended stopping the study early since that statin arm was showing such a clear benefit. In fact, the people with HIV on patavastatin had a 35% lower risk of major cardiovascular events. And so so <clears throat> they decided to stop this study early. And, and other data that'll be helpful to see from this study is a couple of things that they're actually looking at. And uh, I think in 2020, they added, they added a section for COVID-19, uh, which is a supplemental objective to the study. So they modified the protocol and they're looking to understand how COVID-19 affects people with HIV and if patavastatin may reduce their risk, um, who patients who may have had COVID in the study. And so that, that's going to evaluate some of the interrelated but independent key topics, including epidemiology, host factors, protective strategies, et cetera, around COVID-19. Also, the, the, uh, the assessment um, uh, is completed at each study visit. So blood is collected for COVID-19 biomarkers, and the participants that were <coughs> enrolled um, through December of 2017 are also included in the Reprieve Kidney Function Objectives cohort. So there was another section that was added in 2017 looking at kidney function as well, uh, to look at patavastatin on parameters of kidney function in the setting of HIV infection. So again, just to kind of summarize, all DSMB stopped the study, 35% reduction in cardiovascular events if you're on patavastatin versus placebo. The question here, I think, Marianne, I think is what everybody's waiting for is what more data will come in the publication. With this has not been published. This was just from press releases that we've seen so far to date. And this is actually, you know, the end of April, 2023. So we'll have to see what the publication looks like. But I think we, we all wait for those re- additional results that might be in there, but sure, um, surely this is going to be coming soon. And I, and I would say that um, the question is, what will the guidelines do for statin recommendations for people who, uh, 
living with HIV. If they're not meeting the current criteria, will they actually be recommended now for statin therapy? I think there's going to be more to come on this. But again, stay tuned, please. You know, we'll, if anything changes in the guidelines, we'll certainly make sure that myself or or someone else on the group um, in the, in the, within the group covers this in, in more detail for some of the changes from the guidelines. John, thanks so much for joining us and telling us all about the Reprieve study and why it's important for HIV care providers. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about Nika AETC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nikaaetc.org. That's www.nikaaetc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nikaaetc.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at nikaaetc.org. Stay safe, and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.